You're listening to The Zen Courses Show, episode 35. Welcome to The Zen Courses Show, the show for online course creators who care about building actionable, meaningful, and profitable online courses. If you're a solo entrepreneur, tech geek, or creative, The Zen Courses Show is the place to get expert advice for creating your online course, overcoming overwhelm, and growing a balanced business. To get the full experience, sign up at zencourses.co, where you'll get access to free lessons, resources, and more. Again, that's zencourses.co. Hey, it's Janelle. Listen, before we get into the interview, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a primer on what to expect in this episode because I am super excited to share this one with you. I was just re-listening to the episode and it's a good one. It's a good one. So doing things a little bit different in the next couple of interviews. Usually you've heard me interview people who've had these wildly successful courses, people who may have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, followers and subscribers and all of that great stuff. Well, I decided that I wanted to kind of give a a bit of a, take it down to earth a little bit more and interview people who have had mid-range success. So this interview as well as the next one coming up next week will be two stories of people who have had success meaning they've sold courses and they are still selling their courses but they're not you know at that super high level that you know a Pat Flynn or a Jason Zook or a Paul Jarvis um, or a Claire Pelletro they're still figuring things out so that is the goal this story is going to be with Esteban Martinez who is an art an Aikido instructor who teaches calligraphy online. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Esteban's story. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning into the Zen Courses show today. I am super excited to have an Aikido instructor, calligrapher, and professional chef, Esteban Martinez, in the house today. Esteban teaches Shodo, or Japanese calligraphy, via his Learn Shoto courses hosted on Teachery. We're going to talk about how he does it and learn a little more about him and his story. Esteban, welcome to the Zen Courses Show. Hi, Janelle. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You were born and raised in Puerto Rico. And yes. where, where do you live now? I live in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, okay. Okay. So... Well, before we jump into your story, let's let's take okay. a step back because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that you have a pretty good story. So before we jump in, I like to kick off every interview by asking five quick questions just to help listeners get to know you. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. Number one, what is your favorite song right now? My favorite song right now? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a Spanish song from a uh, Puerto Rican local band. And it's my favorite because my kids listen to it all the time. It's like how I can introduce them to Spanish. Yeah. Uh, So the song is called Salimos de Aquí by Fiala Vega. Okay. Okay. So question number two, because I know that you are a chef, what is your favorite food and why? Favorite food. See, it it all depends (laughs) on the day. And what I'm, uh, my favorite food, it has to be pizza. And that's because I make it at home. Ah, okay. Um, and we we usually have pizza every Friday, um, and I that's it's just simple and it's satisfying. 
uh, the kids love it. So yeah. Uh, but at the restaurant or when I was cooking professionally, uh, I like to cook French food. Mm, so okay. That's usually one of the most satisfying uh, dishes to prepare. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So if you had to describe Japanese calligraphy in one word, what would it be? Uh, Japanese calligraphy in one word. Huh. It's challenging. It is. <laughs> challenging? Yeah, it is challenging. But in a okay. good way, though. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to learn more about that. All right. Next question. Mm-hmm. Since this is also about food, it's a random question. Okay. How do you feel about cheese? Do you love it? Hate it? Where do you stand? I know. I love cheese. <laughs> I, um, I'm not a fan of the cheese boards at restaurants. I think that's sort of kind of a little overdone these days. Yeah. Um, but I, I like to put cheese on almost everything. But I yeah. do like a good stinky cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the common yep. answer. Yep. Okay. The stinkier so, the better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So last one, fill in the blank. Yes. If you weren't an Aikido instructor and calligrapher, yeah. what would you be? Filmmaker. Ah, that was, okay. That was, when I was a kid, that was like my first uh, choice of what I wanted to be when I grew up mm. and uh, didn't pursue it and end up in restaurants but uh i feel like yeah if i could do it all over again that's probably what i pursue maybe that's what i'm so into doing youtube stuff right now because it's <laughs> I was like gonna say yeah because i can uh feed that uh desire even though it's not like a professional yeah yeah definitely all right esteban mm-hmm. tell us your story how did you before we talk about how you came to teach courses yes. how did you get into aikido uh, I started when I was a teenager. Uh, my brother joined the uh, school first, and this was early '90s, so the Aikido wasn't really that popular at the time. I think the the only way that we could explain it is like, well, do you know Steven Seagal? And they were like, oh yeah, well that's Aikido. <laughs> it, 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 this is the best way, even though it's not a good uh, way to explain it. But it was the only the only thing that people could relate to. Um, everybody knew karate or judo, but. Um, not Aikido. Um, and then we were driving one day in our local town and then we saw the sign that says Aikido and then that was the school. Um, and he joined first. I wasn't really that interested. Uh, then my o- I have an older brother and an older sister. Uh, they, then my older sister joined the dojo too and now I'm like at home every night because they're going <laughs> to school and then my mom said, why don't you just join? I'm like, eh, I don't know. So then I just one day just decided to just go for the ride. Um, just cause I just wanted to do what they were doing and started it and just hasn't stopped ever since. Okay. I think I was, uh, I think I was 14, 14 or 15 years old. When you started. Yep. Now I have to ask, are your mm-hmm. brother and sister still practicing uh, as well? No, not my sister. <laughs> my sister kind of dropped it when she came, went to college. Okay. Uh, and my brother, he's been in and out throughout his life. I, now he's back on the mat training. But he's been in and out also because his life just gets in the way. Yeah. So you were the last one in, but you were the one who stayed consistently. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I think even today is the least involved I've ever been. And it's just because I have a lot of going on right now. Um, But even all the almost 20 years that I've been training, I think this is the point of what I've been least involved, like going to classes and doing that kind of stuff. Okay. But for the last 20 years, it's been, I was very heavily involved. So let's talk about how you came to teach online courses uh, mm-hmm. in Shoto. Can you talk about, like, you know, I know you have a website. Yeah. First, 
talk about like how you transitioned to that. Uh, well, the, the interest in Shodo comes from Aikido. So, because uh, okay. one of my Aikido teachers, uh, he had a dojo, in, actually, he had a dojo in Chicago, and I, I knew you're from Chicago. Yeah. Um, so he had a dojo in Chicago, and he's a, this Japanese guy, and he had, that's, he had an organization that my dojo belonged to. And I went to Chicago and trained for the summer at his school in 98. And uh, at the end of my training, he brushed a calligraphy for me for like a, as a certificate of sorts of like finishing the training. And I, that calligraphy to me, like it just really had a, an impact. And um, unfortunately, he passed away in 2001. So I have like, I feel like I really had something from him that not a lot of people have. And, um, and I really took it to heart and I'm like, I really wanted to, I really want to do how to do that. I, I knew that was a comp, uh, it, it complimented him as an Aikido instructor, the fact that he could do calligraphy and trying, trying to find a Japanese calligraphy instructor is like finding a needle in a haystack. It's on, <laughs> outside of, uh, the, of Japan or anywhere in, uh, you know, China or something like that in Asia. Outside of East Asia, it's, it's, it's really difficult. So I just taught myself. I bought books. You know, there wasn't, you know, the internet wasn't what it is right now. So I just bought books. I did it by myself. But I knew that it just didn't look right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, out of pure luck, I, I find a Japanese calligraphy teacher that lived here in Rhode Island. And I took classes with her. And these are personal classes. It's, it's like I just went to her house and we sat at her kitchen table and uh, she showed me like basically proper technique. And I mean, I had the desire. I, I, I could play with the brush. I can, I can draw fairly well if I put my mind into it. So I knew that it wasn't totally off if I looked at it from an art, art, art point of view. Uh, but I didn't know how to use a brush, how to really write Japanese characters. Right. Um, and that's what she taught me. And um, then I did that for a few years, and then I just kind of uh, practiced on my own. And because at, at some point, it's just all your own, your own personal practice. It's just you just have to keep brushing uh, consistently. And um, until I just, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of art, and uh, my wife is like, "Well, you should start selling it." So that's how the website started, like trying mm-hmm. to me sell the calligraphy that I was making or get commission for calligraphy, and. That's how I started the website. And I think I started the website in uh, 2009. Okay. Um, and I launched the website with basically just like a little bio. And then my, um, uh, I, there's, a couple, there's, a, there's a couple of things that I knew I didn't have working for me. And one of them was that uh, I'm not Japanese. So, uh, and so it's, it's not common to have like someone who's like not Japanese to like do calligraphy and you know, put your signature on it and buy it from a non-Japanese artist. And even then, the uh, famous Japanese artists are usually women. Uh, you know, calligraphy still in Japan is a heavily uh, women-oriented art. Yeah, and, uh, and, 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 and they, they start learning when they're like six years old. So, you know, I knew I didn't have a lot of that. It's like, well, I can't, I can't compete with some... Uh, Japanese master that's been doing calligraphy since she, since she was like five years old. Um, <laughs> but what I had that was different was my Aikido connection. Um, and then also the Zen connection, because that all kind of goes together with the type of Aikido training that I do. 
So I was trying to say, but if you're looking for Japanese calligraphy with a martial arts uh, tone to it, with a martial arts point of view, um, not so much from an artistic, uh, you know, a lot of these calligraphies, they have things saying like, you know, the spring clouds or, you know, the green mountains, like little, you know, feel good yeah. saying. Uh, and I wasn't brushing any of that. I was brushing martial art concepts and uh, Zen concepts. So I think that the people that found me first were uh, martial arts people. And, and I started getting uh, requests for uh, martial arts dojo. So oh, can you write my dojo name? Can you write Aikido for my school? Can you write karate for my school? And that's how everything just started. Okay, interesting. So at what point did you start teaching? You know, because you said you, people were reaching out to you for For commissions, commissions yeah. Right. Um, well, the idea was to... Uh, I, I, I had the, the, the website name as a studio. Like, I, I, uh, the name was like Gohisu... It is Gohisu Shoto Studio. Yeah. And uh, I had this very vague idea that it would become a school at some point. Um, but I, I, I didn't think I had the credentials, neither the experience to like teach and, and show somebody what I was doing. Um, until probably, I think it was, uh, 2014, 2014, when I taught my first workshop and, and I just said, okay, let me see if I can just teach a workshop. And I wanted to teach a workshop, but I didn't want to rely only on students from the Aikido dojo that I train at, um, which I train in Worcester, Massachusetts at Senshinkan Dojo. I didn't want just to be like, you know, okay, so everybody that, that trains at Senshinkan come to my workshop. I wanted to be open to people that wanted to just learn calligraphy, not necessarily have to be members right. of, of that dojo specifically. And I used, uh, I used my website to try to advertise it. I didn't really have an email list at that, at that time. Um, I use Facebook a lot to just announce it. And I think the first workshop that I taught, I had uh, uh, 12 people. And more than half of them were not from Senshinkan Dojo, which was good. I was really happy about that. I mean, I did get some Senshinkan members because they were interested. Um, yeah. But I did get people and I did get people that came from other states, uh, people from Vermont and Maine that came down. And, um, and I... I I mean, I don't want to say I didn't know what I was doing. I, I had an idea of what I wanted to teach, but I, I, don't, I, I wasn't really, sh I didn't know what to expect when I had like 12 people, you know, like, all right, we're going to spend 12 hours uh, learning these things. And my mind was like, I'm going to show you what I learned from my instructor, but I learned it in a much different setting. I learned it going to her once a week for two hours, not in one day for a uh, six-hour workshop. Got you. So these were face-to-face, -face, yes. these were in-person workshops. Yeah, these were okay, in-person gotcha. workshops. And then, and then I, wanted to, I wanted to make it uh, uh, valuable. So I provided materials. I gave them brushes that they could take home. Um, I wrote a book, uh, an e-book of sorts, like a little pamphlet with, uh, with all the introductional stuff, like the tools and, you know, all that kind of... That took me... But I think the workshop was in October. That's, I spent almost the whole summer just writing this pamphlet. Um, wish I had it printed and bind it and give it to the students. Um, yeah, so I really try to make it value and be like, this is a like, and I call it an introduction. So yeah. you can come here and learn what you need to get you started in this practice. Um, but I realized that I wasn't offering the next step. 
of like, well, somebody came to my workshop. What do I do now? Yeah. So I had to think about that <laughs> later. Okay. I don't think I really had it an, an, an option then. Um, but I realized that these people were leaving the workshop and I'm like, um, what, <laughs> uh, what, what, what I do with you or what are you guys going to do with what you learn? So, so how long did you teach the face-to-face work- workshops before you decided, okay, I'm going to teach online? Uh, two workshops. Okay. I taught one in October and then I did another one in February. Okay. Got you. Now, were people asking? Because I imagine if people were traveling to come see uh, you. Yeah. And I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, and that's how, that was the, the, main, the, the number one request. It's like, yeah. uh, because of my reach uh, online with the website and uh, YouTube, I think YouTube is really what uh, is probably my best cha- uh, channel for getting my message out. Um, it's, it's a global reach. Uh, yeah. And so I'm getting people from Thailand and people from Spain and people from Italy and all over the place. I'm like, oh, that sounds good, but I can't take a plane ride uh, for, a, for, a, for a Saturday. Um, and then everybody asking, do you have an online version? Do you have an online version? And I was like, no. And I'm like, I know I should. Like, I, and uh, also people, oh, you should have an online, uh, uh, the uh, Japanese online course or uh, workshop. That'll be, you know, really good. I'm like, yeah, but you know, <laughs> you know the amount of work that'll take? <laughs> so I, I was kind of very overwhelmed by just even thinking about uh, just taking on the task of putting all that information together. Yeah, I read a little bit about that in your story. Yeah. And I think that's a great segue because I have to ask, what changed your mind? What was that aha moment where you said, you know what, I'm going to do this? Uh, I think it was uh, uh, probably finding teachery. And mm-hmm. I think it was because teachery make it, made it look easy. And I was like, oh, wait a second. So all I need to do is this. Uh, and I think I was getting overwhelmed with the putting the website together. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm in no position of hiring uh, uh, developers or, you know, any of that stuff. So I, I, this is a one man operation. So <laughs> I was like, I need to do this myself. And I, I, I don't, I can't code. I can't, uh, uh, you know, I, I struggle trying to put, trying to uh, customize a WordPress theme, <laughs> you know, so yeah. try, trying to code a whole course setup. I was like, that's not happening. And then mm-hmm. when I found T-Shirty, I was like, oh, wait a second. So it's just, it's just putting the stuff um, you know, making the videos and linking everything, and then that'll make it basically uh, hosted. Um, yeah. And then because of uh, the time that I spent on YouTube, you know, filming was not, I wasn't concerned about that. I knew it was going to be a lot of filming, but I was like, I knew, I knew how to do it. Um, and then what, what, when everything came together was the fact that I've already written that pamphlet. So the, the content of the pamphlet became the backbone for the course. Mm. So basically, I just took that pamphlet and expanded on it and make it into the course. I think that's a really key thing. And I hope people get a lot of value out of that. Like it's, for you, it was a progression, yeah. you know, of going from having your site and then teaching face-to-face workshops and you had already developed the content. So right. when it came time to teach online, it was, it sounds like it was mainly the technology you were struggling with. And once you figured out a solution for that, because you had the content, it made it a little bit easier. Uh, uh, totally. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that the, the, the fear of the technology was making everything else looks harder than it really was. Um, and, and I think a, a lot of, um, one thing that I didn't, I didn't really do was I didn't look into uh, other places of like the how to do war, uh, online courses. What I did was that um, 
I don't, how did it, how did it, how did it work? I think when Tishiri launched, um, I was one of the first people to get on on like their their testing um, uh, stage. You know, when they're yeah. just like, hey, we know we're, we're working on this. We need some people to like join in or whatever. Uh, and I and I joined. I, although I didn't really have a course to make it live. Um, and um, uh, so Tishri is a uh, well, Jason Stoke. Uh, girlfriend, uh, Caroline. Yeah, Caroline. Uh, she uh, she had a um, what is it called? A hand lettering course on teachery. I mean, I, I'm I'm not interested in hand lettering, but I bought her course just to see how teachery worked. <laughs> so I was like, uh, let me see how how they put it together. So and I mean, it had, and then I just kind of saw, oh, so the videos go here. This is where they put the expert. This is how long. The videos are this is how the lessons go and i'm like oh okay then i kind of had a framework on how to do that yeah so you used an existing course you bought an existing course as a model, as a model. To give you yeah. Some, yeah yeah absolutely okay so let's since we're talking we're talking about two things i definitely want to dig more yep. into one is you know teachery but also just let's talk about your course so mm-hmm. you have you have one course that's live now which is your intro course yes and then you're launching an advanced course soon. Yes. Can you give us an overview of your intro course? How is it structured? What are you What are you teaching in that course? Uh, okay, so the biggest the biggest thing that I learned when I was learning from my teacher that I learned face to face was uh, the proper techniques on how to use the brush. And in order to write the Japanese characters, there are eight basic strokes that are basically present in all characters. So if you learn those strokes, you can basically lear- uh, learn how to write any character, no matter how complicated it is. Okay. So I knew that the, the, the heart of the course was to go through these strokes. Um, and cause that's really what I, uh, what I did a lot with her. We were just doing strokes a long time before, um, you know, before we were messing around with writing uh, characters. So I did some, um, some keynote lectures. Um, and then like, the first lesson is uh, like what is shodo and you know some terminology and like an intro lesson. Uh, and also yeah. on that lesson, I, I start right off the bat on the connection between uh, calligraphy and uh, martial arts because that's my point of view. And and then we go into tools and materials. So I go through the brushes and more importantly is where we get them because I think that's what a lot of people just don't know. It's like well, where do I buy Japanese calligraphy brushes? So I give them all the resources online that I use uh, to where, where they can get their materials, like paper, brushes, ink, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I go over uh, posture because there's a certain way that you need to sit and hold the brush and breathe and you know that kind of thing. So how to sit on the table, um, how to sit on the floor if you're doing uh, calligraphy on the floor. And then, um, and then I go into the eight basic strokes which the way I did it is uh, I have a keynote lecture where I explain the stroke. They have terminology, you know, they have names and stuff like that. And then I, I switched to a video of my, a close-up of my hand basically making that stroke on paper. Mm. So I did it that way so that uh, whoever is uh, looking at the course or uh, looking at the videos, they can pause and practice. And then hit play again if they want to and go back to the next stroke. Or they can, I mean, they can watch the whole thing too. But um, I did it so that you see the demonstration and then you 
listen to the lecture and then see the demonstration and listen to the, the lecture. Okay. Now, you mentioned really quickly, because you mentioned tools, you're talking about yep. Keynote. Obviously, we know you're using Teachery. Yeah. Um, are you mostly using Keynote presentations in the course, or is it a mixture? I know you said you have a couple videos for the strokes, but throughout the presentations, are they are they Keynote? Uh, yeah, the lecture, when I go through terminology and some explanations and things like that, yes, yeah, it's, it's a Keynote lecture. I, I Yeah, so... I didn't want to put myself on camera on this course, yeah. even though I, I was on camera in all my YouTube videos for like, <laughs> I don't know how long, but I, I felt like, um, I feel like I could get my point better if I had letters that people could read while I'm talking. Um, okay. although on my next course, I am going to be on camera because of the nature of, of the stuff that I'm going to be covering on that. Uh, but it's also going to be, uh, some lectures as well, but on the intro, uh, I'm, my face is not on camera talking. You can see my hand um, doing the demonstrations, and then my words are with presentations. Yeah. So, you know, because this is something that people have to do, yeah. you know, if they're going to be successful, they have to do it. So what are some activities? How do you build in activities and exercises into the course? I give them homework that they have to physically mail me. and. Okay. I don't know how I'm going to handle that if the course really gets big in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so they're sending you letters yeah. with the, uh, oh, yeah, wow. They're, yeah, there's, <laughs> and, but I have a certain amount. Like, uh, I think they have four homework and not everybody submits them. So, yeah. which is, um, I mean, I, I feel like it's surprising though. Like, I was like, I, I would expect that I would get a lot more. Um, I do require that they do send me a self-stamped envelope to send it back though. Okay. Um, so it, it's simple I, and, and it has, um, um, I give them a PDF of what they should brush and the, you know, and the little instructions on how to do the homework and then, uh, how to, how to send it. And I asked this, you know, send a self-stamp envelope for two reasons. One, obviously is to offset the cost of the, the mail, but also so that I don't mess, mess the, the address to return it. Yeah. So you give me the address and I know it's going to go back to you. But the reason for I do that is because I correct those, um, by brushing on top of their brushwork. So that's how it gets correct. And that's a very traditional way to grade calligraphy. Um, a lot of people send their word to Japan for corrections and then they get them back by mail. Ah, yeah. so that's, that's so I'm following, expected. Yeah, I'm following that same uh, uh, structure. That's really interesting. I love that, that hybrid. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your online course and then they're, they're physically sending you things. Yep. Um, very cool. So what... You know, because, so you launched your, what year did you actually launch the intro course? Was it last year? Uh, yeah, last year. Uh, okay. Yeah, 2015. I think it was and, uh, Mar March 2015. Okay. And when is the advanced course launching? My date was spring 2016. Uh, I'm still hoping I'm, I'm going to meet that goal, but uh, certainly by summer 2016. Okay. So um, what have you learned between, you know, the 2015 course and your plan launch for this year, what are some things you've learned that you plan on implementing for the advanced course? Uh, in what sense? Like in, in, put... in the sense of teaching online. No, teaching online? Yeah. Uh, most of it, I think, is to on, uh, trying to trim down the content because uh, I feel like you can never explain it enough. Um, or like you, you feel like you need to have like 
uh, I don't know, 30 lessons or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just really like the second the my, uh, intro course started with eight lessons and then I added a ninth lesson after it was, uh, released. And, okay. uh, and I could, I could just keep adding to it, you know, and, but I feel like at what point does the intro stop being an intro? And, <laughs> and then this is material for something else. And then when I was outlining the second one, I was the same thing. It's just like, I feel like, feel like I was like 20 lessons and I really trim it down to five lessons. So it's even more focused than the first one. Mm-hmm. How do you make those decisions. I think that's actually something that no one has ever talked about before on the podcast. So let's dig into that. Mm-hmm. How do you make the decision on what to include in your, in your course and what to leave out? Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just have to make an assessment on, on what's necessary and what as, on what's necessary for me to show them. And, uh, and what's, what's, up for them to figure out. Okay. And for example, on my um, uh, okay, so I, I'll give I can give you two two uh, concrete examples on the on the first and the intro one. Uh, the uh, the lesson that I added was like variations of the basic stroke. I left that out in the beginning because I was like, well, I'm teaching just the the basic strokes, but then I realized that. If I do an advanced course, the variation is so, sort of a hybrid or, or a middle stage there. Like, uh, you do need to know the variation before to go into advanced, but the variations is not really basic material. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it's like in the middle there. So I decided to just add it to the, advan- to the intro course so that I didn't have to deal with that in the advanced course. I could just go right into more advanced character brushing. I didn't want to deal with strokes on the advanced one. So, and then on the advanced course, I'm, I'm doing a lesson on how to turn your calligraphy digitally. So I'm, I was thinking, okay, so what, uh, what are the steps that I go when I, when I digitize my stuff for user for like website or, you know, online or pictures or whatever. And I really struggle with whether I wanted to put a lesson on or not on how uh, making vector files. And I decided not to. Because I feel like uh, this is not for graphic designers. If someone that is taking this course thinks to themselves, like, no, um, I really want to make a banner with this, then find a graphic designer that explains how to make vector files. But that's beyond the realm of what this course is about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I, do. Uh, so I, do, I do go through, well, scan it and how to edit it, how to get rid of the paper wrinkles, how to make the, the, the black look you know, darker. Um, how to make a transparent background and then export it as a PNG. Um, and then I, I show my process for that. But the vector file was something that I actually did and then cut it out. I was like, I'm not, I'm not putting that in. So it sounds like you're, you're really thorough in thinking through the learner journey of what your students, where they're going to start, what they need to learn to get to the goal, but also you know, what they don't need to know. Right. But also my, my strength. I mean, I, I, can, I can make a vector file, but I can't really explain it that well. Gotcha. So I, I feel like I'm not the person to teach that part. Right, so right. Then I, and then again, and then I, I was going through this. I, 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 I mean, I don't know, but I'm guessing, like, uh, most of my students that go into this course, I don't think they'll be making 
anything with vector files. I mean, even if they want to make a T-shirt, they can still use a PNG file, uh, which is my my what I'm thinking a lot of people would like to do because they see those calligraphy and those, oh, that'll make a cool T-shirt. And I've made T-shirts before. <laughs> and I know somebody would like to do that, but I'm thinking, ah, they don't really need a vector file for that. So I feel like that was a little kind of outside of the realm. Yeah, definitely. So I know when you said you were teaching your face-to-face workshop, mm-hmm. You had about half of your students, or a little, maybe a little less, who actually came from the dojo. Yeah. What about? Let's talk about the breakdown for your online courses. Yep. Are most of your students people who are subscribed to your mailing list, or who were already checking out your website, or are they? How are you getting your students? Uh, totally, it's a mailing list. Uh, okay. Because. See, this is what I, I, I got a little confused on how Facebook works. Because uh, when I did my workshop, I didn't really have a mailing, a substantial mailing list. I don't even remember if I had one or not at that point. If I did, it was very small. Um, and I ran Facebook ads for the workshop. And I did get people sign up for the course because it showed up on their Facebook feed. When I tried to do that for the online co- course, I got no one. Mm. So, and it was like, no, it, it had no engagement whatsoever. And I'm like, I'm spending money on this. It's just, I, I'm just not going to spend any money on this because it's not giving me anything. Um, but I, and on the online, on the, on the workshop, I used, when I met them, I was like, oh, so how you hear about it or whatever? And, and it's like, oh, Facebook, oh, Facebook. And then a couple of ones say YouTube. Um, and that was really much it. But on the online course, because I did the, uh, the sign up for the mail list to get to notify when the quarter goes live. Yeah. That's who bought it, basically. Like almost, okay. almost 99% was people that, that signed up to get notified when, when the course uh, open up. And when it opens up, then you see them signing up. And, and that's been true not only when it launched, but when I opened it and closed it, you know, the other times throughout the year. It's always been like that. Interesting. How many people were on your list the first time you opened the course up, the intro course? Ah, less than a hundred. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. it was like no. I like to ask that yeah. question because I think people feel like they have to get this huge, like thousand or five thousand people on their list. No, and, uh, you know, you don't have to. Yeah. So I mean, I yeah, I think it was like uh, not I, maybe fifty, sixty. Yeah, it wasn't that much. Yeah. I think the key is that you had people who had already been exposed to you because yeah. you were already reaching out on Facebook and YouTube and they were already interested. They wanted you to, to make this thing. Yeah. So you already had like validation. Yeah. And I think I didn't have to convince them. They already made their mind that they wanted to sign up. They were just yeah. waiting for, for the opening. Yep. Definitely. Okay. So is your, just really quickly, mm-hmm. this course is self-paced, I'm yes. assuming. Yeah. Okay. Have there been any challenges bet- with it being a self-paced course of people, you know, not completing the course and things like that? Well, to be totally honest, I don't, I'm not really keeping track of that uh, okay. in terms of going into teachery and look up uh, like completion rates and stuff like that. Um, or even, or even uh, signing up. Like, I think uh, if you go on teachery, you can, you can see when was the last time the students yeah. signed up. I'm not really checking that. Um, I can tell that I don't get a lot of emails with people asking questions of like, hey, I'm, 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 I'm having trouble with this. Uh, mo- I guess for two reasons. I mean, a lot of people I know for the few times that I look into the analytics, 
I know that a lot of people buy it and never do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what my percentage is, but um, I, I know that there are some of those. But I also have a Facebook group attached to the course. And a lot of that conversation, I think it's happening on the group. So I don't think people are emailing me because we already have a discussion on the group about just, you know, learning and going through lessons and stuff like that. I, gotcha. I've, I've gotten a few technical questions of like, I can't, I don't have my link. I, you know, I, I, I can't log in, um, you know, things like that, which most of the time I just contact issue and be like, hey, this person is having trouble uh, signing up or whatever. And they take care of that. Um, but yeah, I don't and and then, and then they send me the homeworks, so I correct those and send them back. So I don't know if there's any uh, challenge in terms of like, well, you know, I can't really get through lesson five. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, but you do know that that some people, because that's pretty typical with self paced courses. You have people who buy them and they never do anything with them. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. they tell me, no, one day I'll I'll get to it. <laughs> you know, <I> like, hey, <laughs> as as long as the internet is live, then I guess you have access to it. <laughs> Yeah. Now, is the advanced course going to be self-paced as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I think it's just a personal practice that it it has to be self-paced. You know, a lot of people learn quicker than others. A lot of people take a little longer, so... Yeah, definitely. I mean, it seems like something like calligraphy, it it just lends itself to being self-paced. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, we're getting close to the final three questions. Before we get into that, mm-hmm. let's talk quickly about something that's really challenging for a lot of people, and that is pricing. Yes. Was that difficult for you when you were putting out your first course, your intro course, and how did you approach it? Uh, it okay, so it was difficult in the in the sense that I just didn't know what to price it at. Yeah. Um, so I had to I had to use um, the in Aikido we have seminars. And those seminars, usually uh, an instructor, uh, you know, like a guest instructor will come to the dojo or to many dojos and do like an event and teach like a, a three, a three day seminar. Each session is a three hour session. You get a, a lunch break um, or a, a one and a half hour session, a 10 minute break, one and a half hour. That's a three hour session. And then a lunch break. And then you do that uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So. Okay. One session Friday, two sessions Saturday, one session Sunday. And the prices, uh, it, it, it varies, but the prices for those seminars range from anything from $70 for the whole seminar to $120, um, at least in this kind of seminar that I've been involved. The amount of instruction that is, is done by the instructor, I would consider to be uh, fairly uh, hands-off. And the reason I say that is because the instructor basically uh, demonstrates the technique and then the students go ahead and do it. And he, you know, he walk around the mat and then maybe correct a few students personally, something that he might, may see. But the students are working basically in partner. And, and then he stops the class again, shows the next technique, everybody goes and practice. Um, some instructors are very involved. Some instructors talk a lot. Some of them don't say a word. They just you know, go one technique after the other. So I had that framework and I'm like, okay, so if an Aikido seminar is around $120 for three days, they usually charge $65 to $80 for just the Saturday session, which is the longest session. So I should stay uh, uh, you know, within that price range uh, based on nothing except that, that, that was an Aikido seminar structure. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then for my workshop, I said, well, I'm providing materials. Like I had to buy brushes. I had to get ink. I had to buy paper. Um, printing the, the pamphlet that I did was, uh, it was almost like $15 a piece. Um, and that's just the printing, you know, not even yeah. considering the fact that I spent a whole summer writing it. Um, and so I was like, well, if I'm providing materials and I'm doing a six hour workshop, I, I should be around $95. Uh, and then I, I was, I was constantly saying materials included, materials included so that, <laughs> so that they could see that there was a value there that not only included my instruction, but also I'm providing materials and you keep, you get to keep the pamphlet and you get to keep the brush. Um, so when it came to the online course, I see this is something that I've struggled also when I sell physical calligraphy and when I sell digital calligraphy is, you know, should digital be cheaper or more expensive? And if so, why? You know what I mean? And yeah. a lot of people have that perception that, well, a printed book is, uh, I don't know, $20, but the ebook should be $9.99 because it's, it's, it's digital. But it, it takes amount, the same amount of effort to write the book from the, yeah. from the author's point of view. I mean, yeah, you're not, you're not spending money on paper, but you know, it took the same amount of effort to write it, whether, whether you're selling it digitally or not. And and I had this notion that because the course was online, it should be cheaper than the workshop because they don't have me personally, um, you know, correcting them personally, individually. They don't have that face-to-face contact. So I, if I was doing my workshop at $95, then I should probably be a little bit under that for the course. Um, and then the course launched at $79. Uh, and I, and I uh, quickly, re- well, not quickly, it took me a year to realize that it was underpriced. Um, mostly because uh, I actually g- cover a lot more on the course than I can do on a six-hour live workshop. So you get more information. Yep. Plus, you know, you, you have homework that you're sending me. You, uh, you have my availability uh, on the Facebook group, Facebook group basically like all the time. You know, like I'm, I'm there basically every day answering, commenting, liking, whatever. Which is the six-hour workshop. You have me for six hours and I'm gone. And that's it. You know what I mean? And then, <laughs> yeah. And then all this kind of dawned on me later. I was like, ah, I think I had this kind of like backwards. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah. But once it launched, it, it was out there. Um, I was afraid to raise the price. Uh, I never discounted it. Never, it never sold for less than 79 So the only reason why I feel comfortable now to, and the price right now is 95 which is the same as the workshop. And I f- the reason I feel comfortable now at 95 is because the advanced course, which is going to have a lot more demonstrations, is going to be around that. So I needed to make sure the intro was around the same price point. So it didn't feel okay. like one was significantly cheaper than the other. Gotcha. So I think you raised a couple key points, and one of them was... You know, you, you weren't sure, but you just kind of, you had a framework to compare against and you just took a stab at it and put it out there, you know, which I think is so important. Just, just try something. Yeah. And I think, I feel like, uh, people that, uh, are in the online course space, they, they talk about, well, thinking about what, you know, what you rate by hour is. And I'm like, that's impossible for me. I mean, I'm putting like 600 hours on this. I'm all the time. Like, Every every night, late late at night, working on it. Um, it's I, I couldn't just time my hour. That was not it. It was it, I couldn't price it high enough to do that. 
So I was, that method doesn't work for no, online courses. No, so, so I was right. like, I can't, I can't just be like, oh, so how many hours, you know, it took me to build it. I'm like, a lot. <laughs> like, I can't charge that. I don't even remember. It's been months. Yeah. Well, when you talk about value, that's the other thing that is really important of realizing, for one, that just because it's online doesn't mean it should be worth less yeah. because you put in the same effort, if not more, because you're making yourself available more. Right. And right. like you said, you spent a lot of hours putting it together, um, much more time went into it than your face-to-face workshops. Right. I think we tend to underestimate the amount of time that's going to go into teaching online. Yeah. So I love that you said that. And then people are still getting the same value. It's just like a book. You're still getting the book. It's just, it's more of a convenience actually to you of whether you're going to get it online or whether you're going to get a physical book. Yeah. Same thing with the course. All right, Esteban, we're down to the final three questions. Okay. The first one is an easy one. What's next for you? Anything exciting coming up? Do you want to talk about your course? Well, yeah, the, the second course uh, is Learn, Learn Shoto Advanced Techniques. And it, that course, um, it's going to be specifically for people that either took my online course or they know already the basic from somewhere else. Um, you know, they either had a t-shirt like I did or, you know, maybe took a class somewhere that are coming in, it's like, okay, because um, there, there are three styles of, of calligraphy. There's block script, semi-cursive, and cursive. Um, and semi-cursive and cursive is not something that there's a lot of information out there. Like, you know, because block script is the, is the fundamental. That's what everybody always teaches. That's what I teach on my intro. And I told them, don't try to mess around with cursive script if you don't know the foundations of block script. So this is for, for that. Okay, you, you, you've been practicing, you know the, eight, the basic strokes, you know block script, let's play with the cool writing scripts. <laughs> and um, and, I, and it's, it's, this course was a lot harder for me to do, and what is still, because I'm still working on finishing it, because I don't, I, didn't, I don't have that pamphlet to base upon. I had to like actually write it from scratch. Yeah. So, and it's something that is sort of a novelty because it's not a subject that uh, even books you buy you buy you you search on amazon you know japanese calligraphy and every book is about the fundamentals it's about gotcha. it's introductory book it's about the you know how to write japanese it, it doesn't really take you further than that so i don't really have a framework to work it's basically it's, it's strictly on um how i learn it and how i can teach it to you so i had to think about everything from scratch and um dissect a lot of these uh sections of a character and be like oh so how do i do this so that it looks all squiggly like that i'm like well this is how i do it this is how i see it this is how you can compose it and 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 it's launching this summer uh hopefully at the end i mean i know spring is i think i think i one more month (laughs) uh before spring ends and i have spring 2016 but uh definitely by the summer that the latest i it's just i have a lot of the uh, framework done i have a lot of the lessons written and uh all all the filming is done um all the demonstrations okay. that i do it's just now it's just recording the lessons and putting the thing together gotcha gotcha all right so where can people find out more about you and your work uh they can go to learn shoto.com and uh shoto is spelled s-h-o-d-o uh dot okay. com and then it's take it it's a uh, i i have that Domain name because it's easy. It's learnshoto.com, but that'll take you to my uh, studio's website, which is Gohitsu Shoto Studio. Perfect. All right. Last question. Mm-hmm. What's your why? 
Why do you get up and do this work every day? Ah, my why. Um, I I just feel like uh, it is it's been really beneficial for me in a personal level, and I firmly believe in the connection between Aikido and calligraphy and Zen training. And I know that Aikido is fairly accessible. Um, you know, there are many Aikido schools. Scent uh, training is also fairly accessible, but calligraphy is not. And I wanted to be the, the person that provides that last piece of the puzzle for people that want to uh, combine these three practices into, you know, one practice. I, I describe it as um, the, the, three, the three practice combined. I describe it as having uh, a meal with an appetizer and entree dessert. Like, all, an appetizer is good, entrees is good, and desserts is good. You can have all those individually. But when you have the three courses, that's, that makes a meal. So I, that's how I see it. It has to be all three together. Spoken like a true chef. <laughs> yeah, I, I always have to go to food analogies. It's like, it's the only way I can explain it. <laughs> no worries. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and telling us about your course, Esteban. Well, thanks for having me. I really, I really enjoyed it. Isn't Esteban's story just amazing? I love the passion that he has with what he teaches, the Shoto, the Aikido. You can just tell he just really loves everything that he teaches. So speaking of what he teaches, if you want to learn more about Esteban's work, you can find information about him in the show notes. Just head over to zencourses.co slash 035. Once again, that's zencourses.co 035 for episode 35. All right, so we are going to get out of here. I will see you next time. As always, thanks so much for lending me your ears for another week and hanging out with me for this episode. I'm Janelle Allen, and this has been The Zen Courses Show.